Welcome back to One Take No Chaser. It's your man One Take back in the house again. And this time, see, this is like a special, like every time is a special occasion. Let me, let me, let me not even let me let me just say that every time I get a chance to get on a microphone, it's a special occasion. But this time is a little bit like a little bit different because we're doing something that I only done one time, and this is with a whole bunch of authors, right? And so authors are like my favorite people because in my head, um, I've, been, I've been working on the book since I've been like 17. I've, as you can see, I'm not really getting there yet, but I'm working on it. So, but when you do have people who actually cross that bridge and give us something that we need and give the people what they need, you want to pay homage to them as best we can. So I'm joined by some lovely ladies who are here to talk about their book from Hurting to Healing and Anthology. So I'm going to introduce them. Uh, we're going to start with whoever's on my screen is Peter Virgo. Good yes, afternoon, my I'm sister. Here. How are you? I'm doing great. Yourself? I'm good. Introduce yourself to the people. Thank Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Farah Sharonfad, aka Miss Peter Virgo. Um, I am one of the co-authors of this amazing book from Hurting to Healing, an anthology founded by visionary author Cheryl Nicole, who is a dear friend of mine and also a client. Um, I was blessed to also do the graphic design on the book. And I'm, although I'm looking at it, I'm like, ooh, I could have done this better, that better, but I am so blessed that this is my fourth book with you, Cheryl, I believe, is my fourth um, book cover. And uh, this is the third one that has been uh, either a best new release and bestseller. So I'm, I'm just really overjoyed and I'm just kind of feeling, I'm still in, in shock, honestly. Um, myself, I am a single mom of one, a wonderful 14-year-old boy. Um, I have five fur babies, uh, two dogs, two rabbits, and a guinea pig. And uh, we live in Pennsylvania, but I am from Staten Island, Brooklyn and Staten Island, New York. Been here. And so um, I'm just, I'm, I'm really just, I, I call myself a serial entrepreneur, a mompreneur. I love business. I love entrepreneurship. And what I love about it is that it can, it can change your entire life. You know, I've been homeless many times. I've struggled financially. And, you know, once I, I understood that my destiny was in my own hands and all I had to do was learn, and, um, you know, now giving it to God and asking him for guidance, you know, it's it just given me a feeling of, of empowerment, true empowerment that, you know, I, I can not only just change my own life, but I can help others change their lives as well through entrepreneurship. That's what it is. Okay. Thank you, Miss Peter Virgo. And by the way, she definitely made me change her name to Miss Peter Virgo. So if, if y'all want to know if I, got, <laughs> if I got bullied into that, the answer is yes. Laura, what's good, sis? Hey, hey, hey. How you doing, Ron? Oh, man. I'm okay, man. I'm out here, you know, working with y'all tonight. So I'm here. What's good? Yes, I'm excited. So my name for those out there is Laura Doolin, and I'm one of 21 amazing women who have worked hard on this collaborative project. Um, <clears throat> it's been very therapeutic for me. Um, I'm a single mother also, like Miss Peter Virgo over there. Um, but I'm a single mother to five. Um, I've gone through many struggles. I've fought depression. I've considered suicide. I've, I've dealt with a lot of shame, you know, throughout my life. Um, I've, I've hidden myself from many people. I've put on so many different masks trying to fit in with others. And I'm just getting to a point now where actually it took, um, Prior to me actually being invited into this project, I was working on a book of my own. 
um, because I was ready to start telling my story. And at the same time that I was writing, Cheryl called me and she said, hey, cuz, you know, I'm, I'm, I got this, this vision that came to me and I was wondering if you would want to be a part of it. And when she told me about it, I was like, Cheryl, you are not going to believe. The conversation was just like that. Like, Cheryl, you're not going to believe like how crazy it is that you're calling me right now because this is what I'm going through in this moment. So absolutely, I will do this book. So for me, this book was just a little snippet of my story and, you know, what I went through within like a, a very trying relationship, you know, with my children's father. But by the grace of God, like, you know, I'm no longer in that and I've grown so much. And as I look at my children, I realize that in order for me, for them to be the best version of themselves, I need to be the best version of myself. So, you know, it's a process, you know, the book Hurting to Healing doesn't mean that I'm done healing or that I'm done hurting, but I'm on my journey, you know? And so I'm excited to get the book out there for so many people to read and for it to impact people and for others to see that, you know, there's so many women out there who are going through the same thing or who have gone through the same thing that I'm going through, you know? And so I'm here to help. And, right. and hopefully that's what this book will do for so many other people. So that's what it is. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, and I, and I know Laura personally, so like it's, it's hard for me to hear that all these things actually, um, you know, were happening, you know, unbeknownst, right? Y'all women wear well. I'll give y'all, we're going we to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Monica, welcome to One Take No Chaser. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, yes, I am Monica L. Whiting Hogans. Um, I'm from Mount Vernon, New York, and um, I am blessed to be able to be one of the co-authors of this amazing book with 20 other extraordinary and amazing women um, to give their testimony. Um, I met Cheryl, I guess it was like been, what, three years, two years ago, um, through a personal development workshop um, through Momentum. And, you know, I was just, you know, sharing out my story. And when Cheryl reached out to me um, saying, hey, I'm doing this book and God, you know, spoke to me and, you know, dropped your name. And I was like, uh, okay, for why? Because I couldn't really see how my testimony um, could resonate with someone because I felt like I had been telling, at that time I didn't call the testimony, but I felt like I was telling this story over and over and over to the point where people were like, oh my God, can she come with this story again? And um, I said, well, you know, let me pray on it. And God said, yes, I need you to move forward. So this is just um, my first time doing anything like this, especially writing um, and being a co-author. So that in itself is being a blessing because it's, um, it's a dream that I've always had to write, but now it's, you know, it's no longer a dream deferred. This is something that's come to fruition. Um, but I'm a widow and that's part of my story, you know, um, being a widow right after, you know, being married just, three years and um, how my husband, you know, just, I woke up one morning and he was gone. So um, this book has been therapeutic because it helped me deal with the guilt and the shame um, um, of just not being there for him when he passed away, the the guilt of, you know, fighting. This was, a, I'm married, you know, but you know, as married couples, they go through stuff. But I was like, why am I grieving so much when we went through so much as a couple? So, um, and then, you know, with that, I was angry. I was angry with people, angry with myself, and mostly angry with God. I didn't want to talk to God. I didn't want to hear anything about God. People would say something about, you know, I'm going to pray for you. And I would get this glazed over look in my eyes like, you can if you want to, but I can't really hear it nor receive it. So um, 
being a part of this and you know growing from that experience um in itself is a blessing i'm just uh, i'm just really happy to be a part of it i'm happy to have you here thank you for for, for sharing that sharing the code sounds like you the architect Come on, good sister. Tell us about how you decided that this was the thing that needed to happen. So I understand this is not your first time putting something, you know, I like to call it on wax. This isn't your first time putting something on wax, but this is your first time bringing together so many people and giving people voice. And, and from what I'm hearing so far, I heard three very unique stories, right? So when you decided to, you know, have people come to you with this particular, um, you know, item and, and to trust you, right? I think I think that's important, right? Like we all go through things, but I, if I tell you my story, Cheryl, I trust you. So when you decided to put this whole thing together, right? What called you to this? And like, what was the thing that you said? Like, nah, this has to happen. So, um, and welcome to One Take No Chaser, by the way, I apologize. <laughs> So I tell this story and I've, I'm using a little air quotes, but I had just come off of um, like about, it was a few months of praying at midnight with one of my co-authors, Simone, and God kept waking me up around three, four o'clock in the morning, just troubling my spirit. And I'm like, all right, God, I'm praying, I'm praising, I'm reading the word, like, what do you want? And he had a message for me. He had to download something into my spirit and he downloaded from her, he downloaded Heard Into Healing. That's what it was, Heard Into Healing. I'm like, okay, that's the title for my next book. I wrote it down, went back to sleep. That was not it at all. <laughs> um, I tried to make sense of it. I approached different people. Um, I was on Clubhouse at the time and I approached a, a moderator on Clubhouse and I was like, oh, I wanna offer free workshops, writing workshops for people who are hurting because I heard like so much hurt and pain and many people's stories as they uh, shared them on Clubhouse. But God foiled that plan because he had a bigger plan. And one day as I'm showering, minding my business, God drops in my spirit that is going to be an anthology with myself and 20 other women. And I'm like, God, I don't know 20 other women. So you're real funny. <laughs> but then he just started dropping names of people in my spirit. And I just hurry up and got out that shower, started writing these names down, contacted the folks. And they were eager, willing. Um, and I'm like, wow, because I know when I wrote my memoir, I didn't want to put that story out initially. It took me years. I fought with God. I'm like, no, I'm not writing that. I'm not telling the people that. It's none of their business. But I finally wrote it in June of 2020. And just like in me opening up, being vulnerable and authentic and people seeing that, I feel like when we operate in our purpose, it gives other people permission to do the same. And like, I know these women personally and I know like some of the things they've gone through. And so when I approached them and we had that initial meeting and I said to them, look, don't give me a decision now, um, pray on it. But there were some who were, already, who were already in the process, like Laura, she was already in the process of writing her memoir. Um, like everyone had the opportunities to pray on it and then come back to me with a decision because it was not my vision. It was not just a vision that Cheryl Nicole came up with. No, God gave me the vision and out of obedience, I started acting on the assignment. And then I asked for divine connection and every woman that is on this purpose project is meant to be here because I have spoken to upwards of 50 women and we only have 21, including myself. So that's pretty much how From Hurting to Healing came about. <laughs> so, uh... So this is deeply personal for me, I, and, and, and I'm going to tell you all why. 
So as a man who fancies himself wise about the world in so much as I think I am, there's things I don't know about. And there's things that um, get hidden from plain sight that you don't know is happening in the backgrounds, right? And as I read the bio of the book, and as I'm listening to each one of you, first of all, tell the people where we can find the book. We're going to start with that. We, I guess we're going to come back to that later, but, but tell them where they can find the book so that way y'all get your coins up because, you know, look, hey, it's a labor of love, but I take, I take my coins too. Like, hold up now. Let me, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me get my money. So Cheryl Nicole, tell the people exactly it, where, where they're going to be able to find this. Is there a website? Is there, is there an Instagram page? Like, talk to the people real quick. So we are uh, on Amazon. You can get the paperback version and the ebook will be ready um, early next week, as early as tomorrow. Um, we will also be on Ingram Spark. You can get it from Ingram Spark. And then we're claiming it that we'll be in Barnes and Noble, Walmart, and Target. But right now, Amazon is definitely your go-to spot. And um, yeah, support us. Get this. We want to get this book in as many hands as possible because people need it. They need the inspiration. They need the motivation, the encouragement. So yeah, thank you for sharing right, yeah. with oh, us. Ron, we need to. Ron, we need to get this book to Oprah. I mean, so 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 here, so here's how this is gonna happen. Walk me through the process of sharing your story. And this is for anybody. Like anybody feels the need to jump in and answer this question. This isn't directed to anybody, but like. When I said it's deeply personal for me is because I think about hurt and hurt is one of those things that um, we all cause, whether you know it or not, whether it's intentional or not. As a man, there's times where we do things that really land somewhere else other than the intended purpose, and we may not know. Some men do things that are intended to hurt, right? And then you get exactly what you, you know, exactly what you have coming. So when you decide to share your story in your greatest vision, what's the thing that you're hoping happens as a result of somebody picking up? Because there's 21 authors, which means there's 21 vastly different stories, even though there's a through line, you're talking about from hurting to healing, hurt is part of the through line. So when you decide to do this, what is it that you're hoping for? Like anybody, like in your best dream, this has to happen. I think for me, like I just said to you, I need this to reach Oprah and not and really, when I say that, right, the first thing I think of is, you know, the first thing you would think of is like, oh, you wanted to hit Oprah because of the O effect, right? But it's more so the amount of people that can be touched just by Oprah putting her, her praise on it. You know what I mean? Because there are so many women and we were in a meeting earlier and we were talking about how women always have this, this superwoman. Um, we wear this S on our chest. You know what I mean? We have to be strong at all times, no matter what you're going through. And people need to talk about it. People need to understand how therapy, whether you see someone, whether it's writing, whether it's talking to a group of friends, like just how important it is to not hold on to stuff, to talk about it, to know that you're not alone in it. Because I know for me, you know what I mean? Like it's hard to be vulnerable and to tell others your story. It's hard to ask for help. I'm, I've always been a very prideful person, I would say when it comes to my deep, my deep seated secrets. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I don't wanna be judged because I feel like people are gonna think that I'm stupid for the things that I've 
allowed. I've accepted the choices that I've made, you know? And so I just, I don't want other people to feel the way that I've felt for so long. Laura, let me ask you a question. Yes. And I'll I put the question back out to the people because I know like, you know, more than one person wants to answer this. You say you don't want to feel judged. Is this a thing in which people, when they hear it or they see it or they think they know about it, tend to judge? Is, it, is, is this a thing? Like, like so let's let's take DV, right? And this is like, I, I'm, yo, if y'all knew my heart, man, I've been scared of, I've been wanting to do a DV episode so bad, but I don't know that I'm mentally equipped to be able to do so because I have questions and I don't want them to seem like judgments, right? So when you say judgment, what are some of the things that people would say or people or how people would treat you when you feel like you're being judged? Because maybe I'm guilty of it or maybe people who I know need to hear these things, right? Like I'm gonna let the book sell itself, but I want people, I want people to hear about some of the microaggressions that they may put on other people that have people force themselves into a, a silent box. Absolutely. So I can tell you that I've been in many situations where talking to friends, family, my closest friends where I've, you know, divulged some information and, you know, their response is immediately like, it couldn't be me. Or I don't know how you dealt with that because if it was me, I would have been been gone. And so you don't realize that for the person who's sitting in it, right. you're, you're causing shame. You're judging me. Mm. And I'm trying to tell you, we, Mm. Until you're in it, you don't really understand it because mm. even in my situation, being in a situation where I was abused in every sense, mentally, physically, emotionally for years, I always knew that it was wrong. I always knew that I deserved more. However, no matter how much I knew, I physically could not remove myself from it. In fact, I protected it. When I knew that I could seek help from family members, when I knew I could go to my brothers or my cousins and they would easily take care of them. Oh, know. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I still felt like I can't let them know this is happening because I knew I wasn't leaving, you know, but when you're I, on the outside, you don't see it. It's yo, this is so yo. Okay. Okay. So cause my, okay. Can I, can I just be transparent? Yes, please. Why? Why, why, can't, why can't you remove yourself? You know what, Ron? I think that if I knew, I think that if anyone knew the answer to that, we wouldn't deal with women in domestic violence situations, really. But I think what it is, 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 is that same, I forget what it's called in this moment, but you know, like when a kidnapper takes, takes someone. Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm syndrome, okay? Yeah. You're so manipulated. For me, let me just say for me. Okay. I was I was I was trained to believe that no one else would be there for me in the way that he would. And then it was reinforced when I did attempt to leave and everything failed. And I called on family and they did not help. And I was forced back into going to him. And then the response was, haven't I always told you that no one's going to be there for you in the way that I have? So that reinforces that behavior. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, then it was, I was trained to feel like I had to be loyal. If I left, I wasn't loyal. If I told I wasn't loyal, you know what I mean? So I lived with that, like lo loyalty to the death, death of me. Literally. 
literally. Yeah, literally. Miss Peter Virgo, speak on, <laughs> speak on it. Speak on something, cause like I'm, I'm. This is heavy, and like <laughs> I, I, I'm, I struggle with this is because it's like again, like I don't want to fumble the ball on this one, but I want people to be able to know, cause like, cause she said, like it couldn't be me. That's some shit I would say. Fuck y'all, wildin'. Fuck, like, why, why would you, do, why would you say that? That I've said it. I've said it before more than once, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so that's crazy. Miss P. Um, sorry about that. Um, I was, that, that was quite a question. Um, and it triggered me. I'm crying. I apologize because, um, I've been, I, I, I did experience some, some, cause see, when you talk about domestic violence, you always think it's physical, you know, you always think, and you don't realize that emotional, financial, verbal, all those things are forms of domestic violence. So I've experienced domestic violence a number of times. However, financial. with my last situation, um, that brought, that led me to close a six figure daycare business thriving each year I was making, you know, I was getting, you know, doubling my income almost. And I had to basically shut everything down and move out of state, tell a handful of people where I was and start my life over again because of intimate partner violence. And at first I didn't realize it was a form of domestic violence because we weren't in, you know, we were more so in an arrangement, you know, and I didn't realize that I was a victim of domestic violence and, you know, to answer the question, I, I honestly believe that one of the only reasons why I was able to just get up and go was because I did not love that man. I knew, I watched, I basically watched him and studied him as he was doing what he was doing. And I was just looked at, I was looking at him in the sense of, does he not see me seeing him? However, when you love someone, and the thing is, people think love is blind. It's not. However, you come up with all these reasons why this person needs you. And I understood that he, he already, he told me from the very beginning that he had studied women's psychology. So he was using all his tricks and I'm watching him use these tricks. But however, when he got to a point where he understood that he didn't have my mind in his usual fashion, he instilled fear. He made me think he was going to hurt my, the people around me. And it came to a point where at five o'clock in the morning, seeing these text messages, I said, I cannot, if this man carries out his, 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 his threats, my child, my daycare children. So if there's, there's levels to this, it's mind control. And the thing is though, it's fear. Once that fear comes in, when somebody's telling you they're going to pistol whip you and that God God would allow it and approve it because he's being nice to me. When you get paid, when, when somebody can say, hey, when you get paid, put money aside for me. You know, when they can, it, 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 it's or when they say, when they know you're alone, they say, once you leave my tribe, you can never come back. See, people are looking at it from a very black and white and, you know, but it's not that. It's if I tell someone, what if they get hurt? If I tell someone, you know, I could be walking down the street with my child, and if this man decides to get me, what, what, you know, can, can, can something happen to my child? So it's more than just, oh, you know, love, is, you know, this person loves this person so much. It's so much bigger than that, you know, because we do hear spirit situations where women have died. Yeah. 
when yeah. children have died. You know, and so you look at those. I remember that during that time, there were stories left to right, left to right, right in my community. This person didn't make it. You know, and it's so it, it's it's domestic violence. You have to understand. We have to understand that. You know, it's 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 it's. You know when when you know when you hear the term psychopath, <laughs> sociopathic, those type of things. You know, it's more than someone just having anger issues. You know what I mean? It's so much because it's psychological, and they 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 know they're predators, abusers, predators. They understand the science behind um, abuse and control, and they do it to their advantage. This man did not want to go to work, and he studied women enough to not have to ever get up and go to work because he was just, and, and, and that's, that's all I got to say, but I'm just saying that it's not I, black I'm, and white. It's I, I'm, that I'm, I'm like, again, like I'm, I, Cheryl. Can, can I just add something really quick to what Farrah's saying? Um, also to add to that, Ron, um, you asked the question why. Um, I think it's important to say that we as women, Usually it's because you don't even know your worth and yes. you lack self-love. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because women who, who love themselves, who have that confidence, who have that foundation, it usually does not happen to them because we mm -hmm. seek the wrong guys because we're seeking something that we want them to fulfill that they absolutely cannot. I know mm -hmm. for me, mine stems from my daddy issues. I know for Cheryl's daddy issues is God, but my daddy issues is is the earthly human that is here. <laughs> so <laughs> the foundation that he lacked um, forced me to go looking for the wrong type of man, which is how I ended up in my situation. Yeah. But go ahead, Cheryl. Go ahead, Cheryl. Then Monica, I'm coming to you next. No, it's really a touchy subject um, because it's like oftentimes I feel like the victim is further victimized when people don't understand the the why or um, no that couldn't be me or better you than me, but we we don't know how we would operate in that situation until we are actually in that situation. Because I can sit right here right now and say, oh heck no, if he put his hands on me, I'm putting my hands on him. But it's like I don't know how exactly I would operate until that actually happens, and then like. Farrah and Laura both said, it's the mental and emotional conditioning as well. Like if you can get inside somebody's mind, then it's like you're, you can get their body and everything else to follow for the most part. And I just think that um, the root of it is, like you said, Laura, lack of self-love. But even when you, like there are women that it happens to that have self-love and there may be quicker to get out of that situation because they're like no this is unacceptable I'm not tolerating this they may call the authorities they may leave get their family members involved or what have you that doesn't make them any better or smarter than the woman who stays um, and I just feel like you know we have to try to understand why and that woman who decides to stay needs to get to the root cause of why like you said laura it was your daddy issues so you know that now you know your value you know your worth you wouldn't subject yourself to that anymore so that's a blessing that you have grown absolutely accepting what you did not deserve to saying no i know my words i'm not putting up with that 
Um, and then also, I just think that more needs to be done in terms of men having those conversations with other men. Like, treat women with respect. Keep your hands off of them. You have, you have mothers, you have sisters, you have aunts, cousins, or what have you. Men need to hold other men accountable because it's like they hear it from us, but when they hear it from us, we're nagging, we're complaining, we're being a B-I-T-C-H and all of that, but other men, like, don't laugh at all and like, oh, you wildin' or whatever. No, check him. Like, you're wrong. If that was my sister, like, not even. I've seen a video recently circulating on social media, and this woman came with her face bruised and battered, and the men were like, yo, sis, give us this address. We got you. They didn't know that lady from a can of paint, but they had her, and that's what other men need to do. Hold these men accountable, check them, and, and stand up for these women, because they may be ostracized from their family for dealing with this man or their, their families may have, you know, said, you know what, you just, we've done what we could do, but you've decided to stay in the situation. We wash our hands clean and they have no body. They have no body. And then it's like, some of these men are providers. They, they control you financially. They control you mentally, emotionally. And yeah. then that's be- what Miss P said. Miss P said something about domestic violence and like it being financial and i was like financial like i'm i'm like but but as the more i think about it the more i think i understand like give your money's my money or vice versa i make the money and i decide what you get what you don't get miss p did i did i did i did i summarize that correctly um, it's, it's definitely a part of it. You know, financial abuse comes in different ways. With my ex-husband, it was, yes, you're sick. Yes, you can barely walk, but you know what? So what? You know, if, if you quit your job, and it's something that's pet, I have my, I had rabbits. Out, you're going to come home and your rabbits are going to be gone. You know, it was very, or it was, I couldn't buy any clothing um or any furniture we 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 lived there in a home for two years and we had a bed and a tv and you know what the part of you know what the sad part is that it's been 16 years i still live that way i still live that way and it's very hard for me and i have my son and i feel so horrible that i still treat myself the way he he treated me, and that's how deep and how how psychological the conditioning is. Because I still have a hard time going shopping just because if it's not for an event, I look homeless. And I remember the me before that. That wasn't me. That was I got a check. I'm going shopping. I'm getting my hair done, my nails done. And so you know, it's 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 it's, it's mental conditioning. And um, yeah. Wow. Yes. Yes, Farrah. She she hit it on the head because, you know, Ron, before we started this podcast, I was telling them that I'm leaving for vacation. I'm going to Puerto Rico for five days. And, and this is my first vacation in 13 years. Yeah. 13. And oh, dude, you deserve that. Yeah, I do. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's because I was I, I started dealing with him at 21 you know, just when life was starting for me, you know, I was just getting ready to start experiencing things and adventuring and stuff. And, and all of that was halted. You know, I no longer had friends. Everybody was reaching out to me, but I wouldn't reach back because no one liked him. You know, he made sure to keep me away from other people, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's crazy that I'm now getting to a point and I hope that Farah 
is is at that point, you know what I mean, where she's ready to change that because I'm now to a point where I want more for myself because I'm tired. Like to be like, so my kid's father, he died 2015. And I just feel like now in 2021, I can no longer allow him to have that control over me. I just can't. So Farah, I hope, honey, that your time is coming because 16 years is a long time, but I completely understand still being in that mental mindset mind state because I'm still there. You know, I'm still at a point where I'm just getting to a point where for my kids to go away for a week is a big deal for me because mm-hmm. when I was with him, for me to leave my children, even for the night to go hang out or something was a problem. I would get a phone call where he would be in the background telling the kids to, you know, like, oh, say, tell her she doesn't love you or, you know, why, why couldn't we go with you? Why did you want to do stuff without us, mommy? Like you didn't want to be with us. Those things that, that really messes you up to the yes. point where I got, where, where I got to the point where it was like, all right, no, I'm not going out. No, I can't go out. No. And it was literally, but it was where he wanted me, where I, it was literally me and the kids all the time. So even once he was gone, that's how I lived me and the kids and if I wasn't with the kids I wasn't being a good mother so I go to work outside of work I'm with my children you know Monica? I'm so no, sorry ahead, really quick is that see these conversations are so so important because it was because of your question it was because of the fact that we're actually speaking about it and I I'm not living in my own head with my own thoughts and honestly as you asked the question I looked around and I looked at the fact that I've been here for almost two years and I it, it doesn't look like it and, I, and it, it clicked in my mind I was conditioned to live this way where I'm like I don't need that I don't need this I don't need to look like I have a home I have a roof over my head. That's good enough. And so I just want to say that I, I, I'm grateful for you, you know, having this platform because I just made that realization that I've been in this mental bondage still 16 years later. I had no idea till just now. And so well, I thank you for that. I, mean, I really I, do. I, I don't I don't deserve to th- thank Laura for even stepping to me and saying, like, yo, we need we need to, we need to get up on here. And I hope you and Raymond Flanagan have a wonderful week this week coming up, right? <laughs> get up, get up. No, I mean, like Thank I'm being funny because that's me, but I'm also being dead ass serious. Like get up in Thank you. Monica, talk to me about this shit. Like talk to me. Okay, when you say talk, what? what I mean, I'm you- just saying like y- y'all, y'all giving me what it is. So I'm just listening at this point. Like, like you, have, mean- a di- you have a different situation, correct? I, I do. My, my situation is different. You know, I was... Um, you know, I got married older and don't have any children. So, you know, when I got married, I was like, this is it, you know, like, all right, Jesus, thank you. Cause I always just say, you know, God, you give me one husband, one time I'm, that's it. I'm good. So for, for me, you know, my story is different because, um, my husband, you know, he passed away in his sleep and I just thought that I was going to have more time with him. And when I tell people the story, you know, like what really happened, they're like, no, when you tell your story, leave that part out. Because there's a part to the story. They're like, yeah, no, nobody, you don't share that because they put the guilt on me that I already had guilt, but they added extra guilt because of how things happened with his um, transitioning. So I wouldn't tell, I stopped telling the story. I stopped, I always left that part out because I didn't want anybody to judge me on what happened. 
And so when um, I was approached about telling, giving my testimony, I was like, you know, that's a part of the testimony, which is how I got moved forward. So I had to put that part in there and I had to release that, you know, if someone's going to judge me, you know, fine, because I already beat myself up enough about what happened. So you're going to judge me, you know, don't worry, because I already got all the lumps and bruises and everything that goes with it. So um, it's, it's, it's guilt. People will guilt you. And they don't even know, sometimes they don't even know that you're, they're guilting you about your actions or your reactions and which makes you want to just shut down. So a lot of things I just shut down. I didn't let people into my home because I was like, you know, if you're going to judge me about what happened, then you're going to judge me about how I'm keeping my house, how I'm not keeping my house. So everything became judgmental. I, I looked at everything as being judged and being guilty. So then I started judging other people about, well, how it is, you know, why are you doing this and how did you do that? So um, for my story, for me, to, it was like the judgment part and then the guilt, getting past guilt and getting through guilt. I um, I gotta tell you, I, I like to talk. You don't have a podcast without talking, <laughs> right? I, I, I'm, 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 I'm in silence. But let me ask this question. I think this is an important question to ask because this is what I think about. Somebody said levels. I believe it was Miss Peter Virgo. I'm still saying that because I don't want no problems, right? Miss Peter Virgo said levels to this shit, right? And I think about some of the current trends, some of the current terms, some of the current behavior that we all witness on a daily basis on a daily basis on social media, right? Words like submission dominance toxic um you know uh oh you know obedience um you know shaming guilt like just like just all the terms that people bandy about just freely right like oh i want a dominant man i want a man who knows what the, I, I need x y and z and i guess what i'm trying to figure out in this conversation is what are the traits or trends that go one step beyond that land into trouble? Because I keep thinking about it for myself and I think about the behavior. Like, so I'm a father as well, right? I have to, I have three sons and a, and a daughter, right? So I'm very, very hard on my sons when it comes to basic stuff like saying thank you and, you know, getting up and removing your plate from the table without somebody else removing your plate from the table and no, you can't have everything you want because guess what? That's not the way the world works. And I'm trying to think about all the things that I know that will lead into different behaviors later on. And I think about what Cheryl said, when Cheryl said about accountability. And the one thing I feel the most proud about, knock on wood that this is the actual truth, is that I haven't surrounded myself with any man ever in my adult life that I know, that I know is that dude. I know dudes who are that dude and I avoid them. Like I know, I, son, you shaky, bro. Like in every neighborhood got them, right? You shaky. You know, I think about my, my neighborhood growing up. I'm not gonna put the man's name out there because that's not necessary, but we all know that he was laying hands and we all knew it. He was, he was a handsome man, real strong, big dude. So all the women would just, you know, he's, he's what, he's what y'all would like. And I say, y'all, I'm air quoting y'all, but like he's what y'all would like. And yet, every time you turn around, every single woman who you knew, they was coming out not winning on that situation. And 
his escape mechanism was not accountability. The escape mechanism was, well, I'm going to just go talk to the other one. It's your fault that you, like, it's your fault that this happened. Like, it's not my fault. It's your fault. Blah, blah, blah. So Cheryl, I'm going to start with you, Cheryl Nicole. Like, walk me through, like, you know, again, these terms, dominance, like this, that, and the third. And again, I think, I think there's an arousal point and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to call it what it is. It's an arousal point for some women when you walk that line the right way. But what happens or what what are the things that people need to kind of be like, all right, but he, yeah, that's cool, but he may be doing too much on this one thing. Or just in general, what are the things that people probably should maybe see? I don't know. That's probably a layered question. I don't even know if that's the right question, but go ahead, Sharon Nicole. I would say that definitely needs to seek what God has for you. And I don't, I haven't always done that. And I'm not here and say I'm churchy, extra Christian, holier than thou at all. But I know from making my own choices and decisions and mistakes, it's like I've heard God is a matchmaker. But I know that I like God. Like I know he has to look a certain way. <laughs> I know that he has to have like, you know, um, certain characteristics, but that hasn't always been what has worked for me. And I can't even say right now that, um, you know, the man that I'm dating right now, I can't even say like, I know for a fact that God has sent him, right? I would love to say like, that's how it should be, that you are supposed to be a helpmate to who God has um, created you for and vice versa. But one thing that I hear a lot of nowadays is about submission. And I think that goes both ways. Yes, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, but men can submit themselves to women as well. Like in a relationship, there has to be um, compromise, there has to be communication, and it can't be one-sided. And that's what we often see in relationships. And that's why you have, you know, women feeling tired, depleted, um, not feeling fulfilled, not feeling appreciated. And I'm not male bashing at all. Um, I'm just speaking from experience and I'm speaking from the experiences of my friends and women that I talk to. And I think a part of that is because of how boys are raised, how they're mothered, how society, the messages that society um, conveys to them. Like, yes, you're supposed to be the dominant one. We live in a male, quote unquote, male dominated society. And men are supposed to have certain positions in the home and in the world. And that's so antiquated, that's outdated. Um, I feel like in a home, a man can be a provider just as well as a woman. Um, also, it's like, if you're better at cooking, like my ex-husband, he was an excellent cook. So he cooked, <laughs> he cooked. Um, but I think it is just about knowing your value that you add to a relationship, what you want out of a relationship. Um, also just like, don't not subscribe into these prescribed roles for men versus women and just figuring out what works for you as a couple, you two people as a couple, what works for y'all. And then also just holding each other accountable, women holding women accountable, men holding men accountable, um, and just having those open, honest conversations about their relationships. Like not meaning you have to tell everybody all of your business or whatever, but there are some things you run by your friends because you want their input. You want to get like a second opinion or their perspective and that's okay. But I think that women, we do it. Men, not so much. So it's like- <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting. So something happens. Let, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me be very transparent about my group of friends over the last couple of years. 
something's changing us. We still, we still rowdy, right? We, we, you know, we, we crack jokes. We do all the shit we need to do, but there's an accountability part that wasn't there when we was younger. There's a self-care part that wasn't there when we was younger. There's a genuine, are you okay factor that's not, that was not there before. Because like, like y'all, right? People will sit in silence. And if you ask me if I'm good as a grown man, if Monica comes to me, he's like, hey, Ron, you good? Sure. Miss P sees me. Hey, you look like you was a little bit upset in a meeting today. You all right? Nah, yeah, I'm good. Like, yeah, everything's fine. But the truth of the matter, I'm not good. And I think that what ends up happening is there's coping mechanisms that, that are missing for a lot of people. My father is my hero. My father is flawed. Let me say that again. My father is my hero. My father is flawed. I've seen my father and heard my father do things that I, would, I, I wouldn't revisit upon another woman. I also respect his growth from those moments as well. One thing he taught me that was very important is keep your work at work and do not turn the doorknob unless you are ready to enter the house, whatever that looks like for you. If that means you need to take a walk, if that means you need to fish, that means you need to go to the bar, whatever the fuck you got to do, go do it. But do not walk into that house ready to take out what being black in America as a man does to you on the people who love you. That's a real thing. Because guess what? There are many of people who come in the house and everybody got to pay for everything that happened because you feel powerless as strong as you are, as tall as you are, as big as you are as a man, somebody got to pay for this shit. And guess what? It's usually the people who love you more, love you most, right? These are the only people who you could actually count on so they get your love and your hate because you can't take it out on your supervisor or you can't take it out on the policeman who pulled you over and all that other shit. And please understand, I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you, coping mechanisms. Have my father not told me that shit? I don't know how I would have treated coming home, but I know when I come home, I'm, 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 look, I'm clean. And when I mean clean, I mean like whatever the fuck I had to do to make sure that I can interact with my children, you know, and, and interact with whomever else I'm talking to or whatever. I did what I had to do. So that way I can be the best possible version. And if I'm not the best possible version, I'm gonna leave you the fuck alone and just be over here until I get my shit right. So to Cheryl Nicole's point, I think that's really important when men need to hold themselves accountable. My friends now, every single Friday, like one o'clock, where I have, I have groups of friends, but one of my groups of friends, every single Friday, I could count on it now for the last four months. Mental health check, bro, you good. And it's, it's, it's not only purposeful, but it's actually now anticipated and needed. Because guess what? Sometimes on a Friday, I'm not good. Even though it's Friday, Fuck, it's fucking Friday. You know, hey, turn it up. No, I'm not there right now, bro. Like, I'm salty because X, Y, and Z. I don't like the fact that blah, 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 blah. So when people ask the questions, us men who are listening need to be very honest with ourselves about what you're doing. Now, I do say that there's a group of dudes who do things a lot differently. And you four happen to be the face of, you know, or, or, or you three and then Monica's in a different situation. But like, I can't wait. Like, I cannot fucking wait to read this book. Like, I gotta be honest with you. Like, and that's no cap. You know, like, I read. Right. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I, like, I literally read. I read. I read. I read. And I read shit because I'm trying to understand why we all here. Why, what we here to do? 
And what are the things that people impart upon others that don't get spoken about that need to be spoken about? Because I also have a daughter. I got three sons and a daughter. I'm going to tell you like this. Yes, I will whip any man's ass who dares, but that's only if I know about it. Right. I don't know about it. Go ahead, Miss P. All right. I, it was me, Ron. Um, oh, oh, what oh, I wanted okay, to yeah, say I, okay. is- I'm sorry, hold up. Get yeah, Laura, and then Miss P. What I, what I wanted to say though, is that, I mean, I'm glad that you and your friends hold each other accountable. You know, that's where all men need to be. The problem is, is that it stems from a child. The way you raise your sons, boys are always taught not to express themselves. If they cry, they're being punks or they're acting like little girls. And so later on, when it's time for you to express yourself, you don't have those, those, um, those tools to say, I'm not doing well, or to express to others what your problem is, because you have to be macho, you got to have pride, you know, though, like, so it really starts as a child from a baby. That it's, it's the whole gender role thing, you know, the way Cheryl was talking about, like, Men, men have to act a certain way in society and women have to act a certain way in society where the truth is, is now in 2021, we're all on the same playing field. In fact, you know, nothing towards men, but we kind of overtaking y'all. <laughs> if I say so myself. So, you know, I just think that, um, you know, men, it needs to be made, it needs to be normalized for men to be able to express themselves without that seeming like it, it's a weakness because it's not, it's all about communication. No relationship, no type of relationship works without being able to effectively communicate with other people. So Laura, before I, before I get to Ms. P, Ms. P, I didn't forget you. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you a story. Okay. All right. My father found out who his father was um, six years ago. My father's 72 years old. So do that math. My grandmother, who passed away last year at the age of 96, never told me she loved me until last year at the age wow. of 96, strictly because I forced her into this shit. Like, no, you wow. didn't tell me. And she was like, you know how I feel about you. And I was like, no, I don't know. I knew. And that's my grandmother. Like, you know, like, you see the nose. We all, we are, you know, like, I know you love me because I look just <laughs> like you. What you want me to do? But with that being said, and I asked her why. And she said, because you were a boy. And then I had to be clear, 96 years old, let me do some math for you. And then let me think about her parents and then the possible grandparents. Your grandparents were literally on the fields, literally. And your parents were literally sharecroppers and literally not valued outside. And so mm -hmm. you can be here today and you look at somebody the wrong way and you swing it from a tree tomorrow. Mm -hmm. yep. Generational curses are the reasons why people do what it is that they do and how they manage yeah. their children and so on and so forth. So I'm a dad, I got three sons. I, have I ever told my sons to shut the, cut that crying out, da da da? Of course I have. Have I felt bad about it because I want them to be more expressive? I want you to be expressive, but I also want you to understand that life is not going to give you an unlimited amount of item of times to be expressive. There's gonna be times where you're not gonna get a chance to talk. And that's, and, and that's, and that's what it is. So being clear about that part and just really being sure that when you're raising our sons, as y'all are raising our sons, like literally um, 2020 gave me a lot of things. Meditation was one of them. 
and giving grace and giving praise to, you know, certain things was another. You know, the one thing I always do is I always give thanks and I always give praise to the mothers of my children. And the reason why I do that is because they are doing the best job that they possibly can do so I can do the best job I can do in order to be the man that I need to be. And they also understand like these are the kids that I want to have race. But that's, that's, that that's this, I'm 41 now. So like, you know, like this is, this is a, this is a progression. And I say yeah. that on purpose because I wanted to be clear that we do recognize, I always think about, and it's funny, like, it's not funny, Jesus, nothing about this episode is funny, but I often think about the color purple. And I always think about Mr. On the Horse at the end of the movie when, you know, he was always going to be a scumbag. You're like that, ain't nothing you can do about that. But man, at the very least, at some point he tried to be like, here's your kids back, even though I ain't shit. And I'm the reason why you probably couldn't have any kids, but at least here's your kids back. And just being honest with ourselves about the fuck shit that we've done and the fuck shit that we impart upon people. Because if you're honest with yourself about what you impart upon people, that's your quickest way to redemption the moment you can be accountable for yourself. So Ms. P, you had something to say, and then we're going, I'm going to close us out. That was powerful. That was so powerful. Um, and I just want to say that your questions, at first I felt triggered and I said, you know, why don't use that word? Triggered is, is, is you know, I said, you know what? Cause I, I didn't, I want to empower myself. I said, it's not triggered. It's, it's God encouraging me through you to share my truth. And there's certain things I just wasn't thinking about until you asked these questions. And I didn't know how to answer your questions. I said, do I talk about what I experienced in my marriage or what I experienced in, in that situation that you know drove me to give up a six-figure business? And I said, I'll do both. And I believe that my marriage, again, my experience with my marriage and you know, shaped, kind of encouraged me or conditioned me to, because long story short, my situation was that I, approach someone who had a uh, dungeon, you know, like one of those dominant submissive. And I just wanted just an experience, meaning maybe an hour or two of being dominated, you know, being an alpha female, having my own business, you know, being a, a single mom. So having to be the head of my household, I wanted to be dominated and controlled. I wanted to be, for lack of a better term, just maybe choked a little bit, spanked a little bit, you know, nothing crazy. I didn't want to go home with broken bones. And this person took that opportunity. He was very well known in our community. So I felt safe because it was his business. I already was a, a, a client of, of, of not his directly, but he had another business. So somebody that I felt, you know, I could trust. And um, he took the opportunity to, I guess, reveal this other side of himself. And um, I became his submissive. I became his submissive. I'm being very honest. This is a lot. This is not in my book. And thinking, okay, well, you know what? I'll see you for an hour or two a week and, you know, we'll do what we do and that'll be it. But, you know, he had his system going on already. I guess he felt he hit the jackpot. And like I said, it wasn't, I didn't get punched or slapped or, you know, the sexual stuff, honestly, I thought it was pretty boring. I thought he was gonna be a little bit more aggressive. I can count maybe one or two times where I felt violated. And the only time he really went to that extreme was because I had ended the relationship or the situationship. And then he felt like, oh, I gotta up this a little bit. You know, I gotta punish her. But then that wasn't even it. It was like I said, again, it was the financial part. 
it was that when he started instilling the fear and telling me stories of things that he did. And but then I say all that to say is that, you know, I have to while you're talking, I'm asking myself, why did I feel the need to be dominated in a violent way? Why was I not looking for someone who could be tender and sweet and make love to me? And, and, and you know, why was I looking for that? Why did I feel the need to be abused? whether it was for an hour or two hours or in a, in, a, in a dominant submissive. And so I'm thinking, you know, as as you ladies and as you stated, like, what is that about? What are the gender roles about? You know, what is submit, being submissive? What is being dominant? And I'm just thinking, you know what? And then I think about all the romance novels that I used to like to read. And I'm reading these things night after night, alpha males and this and that. And, you know, a man that loves you and that is passionate about you, sometimes he'd be a little bit rough. You know what I mean? And he'll forget himself and his passion. And so I'm just thinking about all these different things that we're basically brainwashed to believe. And at this moment, I realized that I just, I really have to, um, I have to, I have some work to do. <laughs> I have some work to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not the one to tell you whether or not that's the case. <laughs> I would just say that these are all terms and actions that are all being bandied about. And yeah. can there be a healthy mix of both? I pr probably, but if your intentions are pure, maybe it goes a little bit better. Like you might have bumped into the wrong dude who was good at one part and then not not really great at the other part. Hey. Now, Nicole, I, I <laughs> likely can do this conversation for like like hours in a row, but with respect to the listeners, like we gotta we gotta we gotta tie this up. So tell me how this right here is gonna be the movement, or tell me how this right here is gonna be what it is that the people need of overall. So um, you asked a question earlier on in the broadcast about what was the purpose of us telling our testimonies. And basically we're repurposing our pain to help other people with their healing journey. So it's not just going to be a book. It is definitely going to be a movement where we are, you know, offering workshops and seminars, conferences, because people are hurting and they're hurting in silence. They're hiding it, right? Because they don't feel like they can come out and share that. They feel like they're gonna be judged. They, they feel like they're not gonna be supported or whatever it is. So we are basically doing what we can do to shed light on the fact that all of us are hurting to some extent, right? All of us are on the healing journey, like Laura said earlier. Yes, she has healed from some things, but then there are some things that she's still healing from. And same with me as well. And I'm, and I'm sure I can speak for Monica and, um, you know, Miss P as well. So just stay tuned because this is just the beginning. We're just getting started from hurting to healing. The anthology part one, from what I'm hearing, we need definitely a part two with men. I love the fact that you and your friends are having those conversations and men need to have those conversations and have that safe uh, space and know that there is their true strength lies in their power to be vulnerable and authentic, just like it does for women. So stay tuned. Hey, that hot shit. Listen, I don't know that I deserve this episode, but I'm so glad that it happened. Um, so I'm gonna give everybody the opportunity <laughs> to say their salutations and just if you if you got a social media handle that you feel comfortable about, you want people to follow y'all, let them know. Um, if you just want them to go pick up the book, say that, like you know, whatever it is. So Monica, I'm gonna start with you. Um, yes, I want to say thank you for on um, this opportunity. Um, I know my story is a little different, but um, I believe with this 
I mean, for me, it definitely helped me to walk in my truth and, you know, to move, to take steps to move forward with my life. Because, um, you know, widows, I'm going to say with, with the widows that I've known, they, they, bounce, they don't bounce back as quick as widowers. You know, men, you know, they like, they on to the next thing, you know, like give it a, like a few months. And so with women, you know, and especially those who, however they lose their, their spouse, it's like, well, should you really be moving on yet? You know, are, are you ready? You know, and you get, again, the judgment and the guilt about moving forward. So this now helps me to move forward, to, to live in my truth, to, to talk my truth, to do whatever I need to do that's pleasing for Monica um, and not be so worried about the judgment and the guilt. Um, I mean, people can follow me. I'm not, well, I'm not really going to say that right now because I'm still, you know, walking in my truth and, you know, learning how to appreciate me. But I am on Facebook as Monica L. Whiting Hogan's. Um, I'm on Instagram as Moni Love to the number two you, and that's M-O-N-I Love L-U-V, the number two you. Um, and you can just see how I'm taking steps forward. You know, one thing like Cheryl has watched me, you know, basically blossom and grow from, you know, being hurt um, and feeling lost and damaged to now I'm like, you know, hey, I'm out here, you know, and like living my best my blessed side, life. So. Say, I'm I'm <laughs> <laughs> so please well, go, get the book, so, go get the book um, so you can, you know, get uh, these 21 testimonies from all these different perspectives, all these different women and just be blessed. I mean, I tell people there's blessing in these pages. So listen, I appreciate you. Thank you so very much for joining us. Laura, go ahead, sis. Um, um, yeah, so sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I just want to, I want you guys to go and get the book on Amazon. Um, and to follow our pages, uh, you can follow the Noir Publishing House, um, as well as you can find all of us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, mine is I underscore love me some me. Um, well, oh, I'm also in the process of working on my own book, which will come out through Noir as well. Um, hopefully by the end of the summer is what I'm looking forward to. Um, what I give you in the book is only a small piece, so it's so much more to come. Um, but yeah, I hope that everyone enjoys it. I hope that we reach so many different women. I hope that we reach men too, because men can get a, a perspective from reading that book. So I, it, that's the misconception that we keep saying women, but really it's for all people so that they can also see, you know, you all, you can learn, men can learn from our stories. Women can learn from our stories and men live in silence too. So, you know, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, and by the way, Ron, I yes, see, uh, I see you repping our HBCU. Listen, yes, girl, sir. In the house. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you should have been there. Absolutely. Don't stay in the house. Like we don't. is in the house. Morgan State. Morgan State. I appreciate you. Yeah, that's that's actually inadvertent. I just happened to be wearing this shirt today. But yeah, good good call. Good peep. Miss Peter Virgo. Yes. Um, you can find me on IG, Miss P the Virgo. Um, I just want to say quickly that you know, shame and guilt, you know kept me silent and it kept me from seeking help. And because I felt that I walked into a situation that I created that I looked 
for it. You know what I mean? Of course, it wasn't what I was looking for. However, you know, I felt I didn't want, especially as, oh, I'm, I'm a daycare mommy. You know, I don't want people knowing I'm trying to get choked and, you know, spanked and things of that nature and tied up. And so I just encourage women and men, listen, it doesn't matter what the situation is. If you need help, you need help. And, you know, sometimes it is embarrassing. It took me a while to tell people the whole story. Monica, I, I you know, I so... Um, felt you, you know, I felt your pain with that because, you know, when you have that shame, because you know the complete truth, you feel you can't tell, you can't say anything. You have to suffer in silence because it's your fault or, you know, it's not as pretty as, you know, people, you know, would think because of your image. And that's why with me, I say a lot of things because I can't, I can't do the mask anymore. I can't do, I, I've been hiding for a long time. And for me right now, this, you know, I thank Cheryl so much for giving me, you know, helping me to have this platform um, to share my truth. Like I said, I, that's not a part of the book, but I also have a book <laughs> that needs to be written because you know what, I know I'm not the first or the only person to go through this. And, um, I just realized that my voice is my superpower. And as long as I keep speaking my truth, they can't win. They can't win. They can get a few hits in. Yeah, you got a lick or something, but you know what? You can't take away our voices. You cannot, you cannot. And I, and I refuse to keep hiding. I've been hiding for almost two years and it's not happening anymore. Yo, shout to, shout to Miss Peter Virgo, who literally has been clutching that book, like the whole, like, no, that ass. But, but that's how much, it, me it means to her like you can see it like she, she's throwing that ass her, mar been... her marketing game is strong listen but she's been but, she, but like but in the moments of of the most vulnerability she's been holding on to that book so shout to that listen Sharon Nicole close us out my good sister Oh my gosh, this has been amazing. Thank you for sharing your platform with us, Ryan. We definitely appreciate it. And we would love to come back again because there are 21 of us in total. So you'll get different perspectives, different vibes and all of that good stuff. But um, yes, um, you can find me on um, IG and Facebook. So Noor Publishing, N-O-I-R-E. Uh, publishing house and um, you can see our journey unfold because I told you from hurting to healing this is just the beginning the tip of the iceberg is going to be a movement so make sure you're tuned in on Facebook and Instagram and then I have my um, Cheryl Nicole the lifestyle page so Cheryl Nicole Cheryl with an S Cheryl Nicole underscore the lifestyle on Instagram so definitely look forward to connecting with you all and go get that book on Amazon. All right. <laughs> Miss P, go ahead, Miss P. I see you. Okay. Sorry, but um, I, I, can I plug in my, my business? I, okay. Um, I have a hemp cannabis business and I actually, and yeah, that's, I have a hemp cannabis business, MJ Noir, M-J-N-O-I-R-E dot com. You can find me on Facebook and um, Instagram. I also offer private label as well as wholesale. And I actually help creatives start their own hemp cannabis business. And it's basically like drop shipping. So um, yeah, check me out. <laughs> that being said, that being said, listen, y'all, um, y'all did something for me today that you probably didn't know you was going to do, right? Like, you know, coming on my show, um, you know, I'm just sitting here I didn't know what to do with y'all. I ain't gonna lie. I was like, okay, so I'm like, okay, it's a book. We're gonna figure it out. And then at the, as soon as I heard the passion in everybody's voice, I understood that not only was this necessary, but it's cathartic. And 
for those people who are listening on the same end, please make sure that, you know, you pay attention, whether you like it or don't like it, whatever it is, you know, get right with yourself. And for the women who are listening, there's power in your stories, there's power in your strength. And also for the gentlemen, yo, come on, man. Like, you know, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do better. And that's just it. And for the women who are into women, y'all gotta do better sometimes if you ain't doing your women right. And for the men who are into men, y'all gotta do better. Listen, stop the fuck shit. Part of my language, y'all, but this is my show. So I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say. Now, with that being said, yo, this is one take no chaser. I hope y'all, listen, I, I'm, I didn't deserve this, but I'll take it. So for the next time, until the next time, y'all be well.